Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed, and this episode is Cues of the Force. What does Q stand for? It's a mystery. No, it's not. It's questions. Questions of the Force. We're excited to take your questions and provide our A's, our answers of the Force. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. Presenting our A's right here on <laughs> Force Center. Yes, 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 yes. We're here. We're here. 
And that is Ken Navsak, uh, ready to present his A as well. But we want to let you know that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible, another A. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. This week, we are continuing to recommend Path to Deceit by Tessa Gratton and Justina Ireland. It is the first book in Phase 2 of High Republic, which happens earlier than Phase 1. I love how much work Star Wars makes you do. Uh, We are very excited to dive into that. If you want to listen and be all caught up with us when we discuss this book, you can download your free audiobook today by going to audibletrial.com slash center. One more time, that's audibletrial.com slash center for a free audiobook. It is almost time for questions and answers, but we have yet another A, our segment ask. Ken, do you want to do some asking? I'd love to do some asking. Friends, we're asking you to consider helping us over on our YouTube channel. That's right. We're trying to reach 7,000 subscribers as we are rolling up our sleeves and putting a little elbow grease into the YouTube channel in 2023. We announced the new show Figure Fights exclusive to YouTube starting in February. We're going to put in some more essays up there, more content, as well as uh, the rebought broadcast of the podcast. Uh, we put those up as well. And of course, live Q&As. More on the way. But hey, we're trying to build out there. If you'd like to help, a lot of you already have. We want to thank you mm-hmm. for that. Our numbers have uh, climbed. We appreciate that. But uh, give us a subscription over there. Ring that notification bell. All those fun things. And if you like anything uh, that's coming out, the new things, or maybe going back, looking at the animated databank dive from, excuse me, databank brawl from Brian Ward, or In Memoriam series edited by Kevin Smets, taken from some old Spotlight Star Wars episodes. If you like it, hey, share, uh, give it a like, all those kind of things to help us grow out the channel. So that is our current ask, Joseph. It is a it is a bold one. We're we're climbing towards there. It's slow and steady. I refreshed while you were doing the ask, and it went up by one. That <sighs> is the power we're looking at. Uh, it has grown quite a bit uh, over the last couple of months as we've been paying more attention to it. So thank you all so much. And with that, we're not done thanking you because we're going to be thanking you for your great questions. We have two uh, from Twitter and two from our patrons on Patreon, as well as a power of the light side entry. So we had better get started. With a question from Twitter, this comes to us from Ross Squatch. Ross Squatch says, softball Q, I'm sure you've answered. What is your favorite Star Wars-related holiday memory? Mine is discovering the Star Wars Christmas album when I was a teen in the late 90s. My great uncle had a copy, so I got my local silver platters to get one for me. I've listened every year since and even indoctrinated my kids (laughs) so that future (laughs) generations will indeed know what to get a Wookiee when he already owns a comb. Happy holidays, crew. Thanks for all the hard work. Uh, Thank you, Ross Squatch. This is a a fun one. We've talked about holiday Star Wars memories, but Mm -hmm. I don't know if we've ever just, you know, tried to go through like what are what are the greatest of the holiday memories? So definitely Mm -hmm. want to touch on that. But I also want to find out what your relationship with the Star Wars Christmas album is, Ken. Oh, man, I love it. I love when anytime someone new discovers it, right? You saw some tweets this past week. Uh, <laughs> love seeing that. And I didn't. I like you, Ross Squatch, which is still one of my favorite uh, listener names here. It's like one of those <laughs> man soap kind of things, Dr. Squatch soap. Love that, Ross. Uh, I, I, I love it. I did not discover it till I want to say about 1995. Because uh, it was a uh, in a stack of LPs at the radio station I was working at, uh, where I started working as an intern in 95 and then became on-air talent and all that kind of stuff up to about 98. And so that was the first time I pulled out. I was like, what the bleep is this? And, you know, it's bells, bells, bells. And yeah, what do you get a Wookiee for Christmas? It already has a comb, all those wonderful things. 
And that copy is my copy. Now, I'm confessing wow. to maybe a little bit of a crime here. I don't know what statute of limitations <laughs> are. Uh, there was a changeover in leadership and even a company, a uh, uh, you know, small uh, town radio, but um, we were not bought by a corporation, bought by a local owner. There's a weird changeover. And dastardly Ken, um, who at this point had not had a sip of alcohol in his life, I was pure as a driven snow, uh, wanted, I wanted that. I just felt I needed that. And I knew it was in a stack of LPs. We didn't play it on the station. You couldn't, you can't just really play songs on a radio station unless you report them. At least that's what you're supposed to do so that the right people can get uh, paid or at least the record companies can get their money. Uh, and so it hadn't played. It wasn't like we pulled it out every Christmas. It was just sitting in a stack of LPs. So I, one night it may have gone home with me. <laughs> and that is my copy that is still sitting in my living room to uh, till this day. So uh, I, I just love that it existed. Love yeah. that it existed. There's something about it that's just so wonderfully bizarre. And yes, we can take Star Wars. Star Wars should be taken seriously. It affects our lives. It changes our lives. It guides our lives. If you let it in your heart to a certain degree, totally. But never forget that Star Wars also had Anthony Daniels singing Bells, bells, bells. <laughs> uh, this is a, a great memory, and I'm glad that you finally did report the album. You didn't play it on air, <laughs> but you've been spinning it at home for over 20 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that, that's great. Uh, you're you're an early bloomer uh, compared to me mm. discovering this this album. Uh, oh. My parents must not have picked it up or whatever. Or kids, uh, for some reason, kids at school who wanted to, you know, brag that the, they had the Death Star place that uh, they didn't want to brag about having this, apparently. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I just didn't know it existed. Um, it, it was in around 2002 or 2003. There was a traveling Smithsonian Star Wars exhibit, I believe. But it was... Mm. I remember seeing it because it was like, wow, Vader's really that tall and Carrie Fisher is really that short because it was, <laughs> right, right. you know, the real uh, Leia gown and, you know, a, a stormtrooper and like, uh, I had really didn't get to see stuff like that. So I remember it being a big deal. I was, you know, really excited uh, to go. And I, th I think I went twice. I think I went with my family and with my girlfriend at the Times family, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, but it was in the gift store. Oh, and at first yeah. I was like, oh, this is new, weird. And then I looked at it and it's like, no, it's not. <laughs> and then uh, other people told me their memories of it. And I looked through the songs and I was like, this is bonkers. This is great. This is, I, yeah. you know, I, lo I love Star Wars and comedy coming together. And this is, uh, I don't know, I think something I need to change about myself. Sometimes I see something and, and think, this is not uh, for, for background times. This is not for casual times. Uh, this isn't, this is only for when I can give it my full attention and i thought i don't want to just play this in the background as a joke at a party i'm gonna make time during the holiday season i'm gonna sit down and i'm gonna listen to this cd i purchased in i believe 2002 20 years ago <laughs> i still have it i know where it is it is still in the plastic wrapping <laughs> Wow. <laughs> i've wow. heard bits and pieces i've heard yeah, yeah. jokes i've read things about it but I have been meaning for 20 years to give it my full undivided attention, like blackout mm. curtains, mm. <laughs> no mm -hmm. uh, sensory experience, but music and fully digest it. Uh, so clearly <laughs> we're still in the, the holiday season, in my opinion. So yeah. maybe this year uh, I will give it a full listen. I mean, I get that. I get, I get having something on the shelf. I mean, I've got a couple of books I've been waiting to read for seven years. Who doesn't? But uh Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's an experience, right? Pour one of those yeah. uh, Scrimshaw, uh, House of Scrimshaw cocktails you and Sarah have and enjoy it. 
that's what a Wookiee needs other than a comb is a, is a nice space cocktail. So I'll make that. Uh, so in, in some ways that's a really favorite, uh, holiday memory that I've been waiting to give my full undivided attention to the star Wars Christmas album for 20 yeah. years. But what are other, uh, memories like Ross is, is sharing of a really, this is a vital coming together of star Wars in the holidays for you. Oh, look, uh, Ross, you're saying, sorry for the softball question. This one was hard for me. I, I have discovered, even when you and I were putting together our favorite Last Jedi memories, I was telling you off air, I was struggling to remember five years ago. <laughs> and not that life is so hecked, all those kind of normal reasons. I just don't, I don't know if I've, I don't know. I think I've glommed on to like 10 stories I tell over and over and over again. And those are my <laughs> memories of my youth. And I thank God I don't have to write a, an autobiography or anything anytime soon. But I, I really try to dig in and I don't, none super jumped to mind. So that caused me to kind of check down to a different receiver and, and, and try to complete another type of pass. So I got two kind of answers here. I do want to start with what I'm calling the Kenner Christmas, and that's Christmas with a K from my youth. For me, this is the one, this is one of the stories I have told before, but it's that the, the Christmas that I got the Y-Wing, which I do have a picture of, that box, that fresh, clean, bright box uh, with me holding it in my Return of the Jedi shirt, I believe I had, the green one that uh, is in that Spotlight Star Wars uh, thumbnail you put mm. together for us. Um, that was uh, Christmas of 83. I've, I've done the math on it. I also, I think that photo has the date on it, as photos often do. <laughs> do. But that's, uh, that is actually until my own Star Wars Christmases that I might have uh, uh, given myself in the modern era of oh, it's Christmas, I'm going to buy myself six Rogue One Black Series figures at this Walgreens. <laughs> um, until then, that was like the Star Wars Christmas, really. There's gifts along the way. Don't, uh, don't worry about that. But, you know, 82 would have been too early for me. Uh, I had not seen, obviously, Return of the Jedi yet. May of 83, Return of the Jedi comes out. That's mm -hmm. the height of my, I'm, I'm in love with this new film I saw and this franchise. Uh, and then... Going forward, what obviously wasn't the Star Wars left my life, but by 84, it's the Christmas of Transformers mm -hmm. or 85, Christmas of uh, I want a baseball glove or baseball cards. Like 80, Christmas of 83 was, dear God, I love Star Wars. And uh, to get that Y Wing, that's why it means so much. That's why I love Y Wings. It's connected to all that. So I'll, I'll start there. Uh, but then I try to think of some modern stuff. And you know what it is? Uh, again, uh, you know, we're in that era, especially, you know, kidults as we're now called, apparently, according to all the highfalutin articles out there. We do have some discretionary income along the way over the last 10 to 15 years. And you are going to buy yourself that Ewok uh, Lego set or you are going to treat yourself in the toy aisle. So it's a different experience of holidays and it becomes about family or connections. And uh, you know, Star Wars being now a, a December tradition, or at least it was from 2015 to 2019. And I, I trust it will be again. Uh, but that was always the time that I did get to go see Star Wars with family or with friends, seeing Rise of Skywalker in Flagstaff, Arizona, mm -hmm. uh, seeing uh, Force Awakens with my family. Uh, I think it was uh, my mom didn't go, but my dad and uh, sister, I think my, my nephew went in that one there as well. And it isn't just that I'm some highfalutin, uh, high-class Star Wars fan that is going down to steerage for the day. <laughs> Not approaching it from that angle, but to be amongst the general public, to be amongst people who are like, hey, it's like Christmas. Let's go see a Star Wars film because the family's in town. 
it's the big event and we're just going to go see it and we're going to take it as it, as it, uh, as it plays for us, which means sometimes maybe they don't like it as much as you or I or others, or maybe they like it more than, than others out there. Cause they just take, take uh, what is on the screen and, 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 and don't worry about much more than that. I always tell the joke in 2015, it was actually via telephone. My dad had seen it first by himself and where he called me. He was like, I, I really liked it. I, I think, I think they're going to leave it open for more. Uh, that, that, that ending there with Luke on the Hill, like, yep. Dad, they're going to make more. <laughs> they are going to make more. They're just going to leave this door open. We'll see. Yeah. He's like, I think I think there's going to be more. Yeah, uh, there is. There is. There's going to be more. But so we can make fun of that and we can, you know, have that kind of, again, like we're Billy Zane on the Titanic kind of attitude. But it's truly fun. And it's it's warm Star Wars holiday memories. The, the Rise of Skywalker viewing with uh, my fiance and her, and her family in Arizona was, uh, you know, the crowd – I, I know there were some people who didn't like it, but the crowd was cheering and whooping yeah. and walked out happy and with smiles and went on with their lives. And <laughs> I love that. But just uh, have the family be like, yeah, that was great fun. Um, have my uh, fiance and her, her sister applaud really loud and us as well, but applaud really loud at uh, Larma Daisy's uh, smooch at the end. Right. Mm. And, and do, do so in that state. Uh, meant a lot to me. Uh, a lot of those kind of things. Um and I don't mean to make a blanket statement of Arizonans, but, uh, you know, there's a challenge out there. Uh, so, yeah, it's just those kind of things, right? Of just like we're not we're not reviewing it. We're not going to a screening. We're not going to worry about press premieres. All those things are fun. But to go just roll up our sleeves on a holiday, uh, national holiday and go celebrate Star Wars. I'll take those memories with me. Oh, that is great. That, that's a, a really awesome holiday memory. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. It was a lot. I apologize. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I, no, no apologies necessary. Uh, I'm sure, uh, <laughs> I, I'm sure I will uh, go just as long, if not longer. No. Um, I, I'm just think kind of thinking about if I've had an experience like that. Uh, you know, Sarah and I's a little family of two go to holiday movies, but my family mm. has not gone to a holiday movie. Uh, around the holidays in a long time and I'm just like kind of fascinated with what that would be like to see a Star Wars with <laughs> mm-hmm. with family and what a different experience that is and and getting away from yeah the covering it and the sort of the the pundit thing and the yeah. early screenings and the weekend podcast coverage and now it's just like now it's just the holidays and that's what a lot of people are doing is seeing the new Star Wars that's a great memory yeah yeah, yeah I was um uh I, I was I'm so glad that you have photos of uh, of your your Y wing purchase, and I love what you're saying about uh, being able to identify the year based on what you had. Uh, I was talking on uh, our our news show about going through a lot of family photos uh, while I was at home in Minneapolis, and it's it was funny. Like we were looking at some uh, photos, and my dad was like, ah, "I think it's this year," and I was like, uh, "We are covered in ET paraphernalia. It's 1982." <laughs> <laughs> and the other one's like, this is 83. It's like impossible. Josh is wearing, my brother is wearing a Ghostbusters t-shirt. It's 1984. <laughs> They're all uh, so pop culture type. Uh, so uh, an older memory that I believe I have mentioned, but is uh, fun for kind of those, I guess those first steps of becoming a kid uh, mm. This is the year 1998. Uh, I think both my brother and I kind of have some discretionary uh, funds. And I think it's for me kind of around that time where, Generation X was kind of, you know, we grew up, uh, you know, snarky and ironic and all that. And mm-hmm. there's that moment where I feel like all of Generation X, uh, you know, uh, generalizing here a little bit, but much of Generation X looks around at each other and is like, are, are, are we going to put away the toys? And mm-hmm. all of us going, no, 
No, we're not. (laughs) Maybe we'll claim it's ironic that isn't it funny that we still have Mm. toys, or maybe we'll get sincere and say, we like these things and they have value, all that. Um, Mm. So for me, it was in that time of like, yeah, no, I'm not going to collect the hell out of the Power of the Force 2 line. I want it. Um, And it had always been a a wound uh, that we did not have the uh, at-at, as we called it back Mm. in the day, or the AT-AT for some people. We never had the original Kenner. And... um, my brother got me the power of the force two, uh, AT, AT. And mm-hmm. that was phenomenal. And at the same time I had got him the N64 rogue squadron video game, which were both of us. So those were both about 50 bucks then, which was like a <laughs> ginormous a- amount of money. Yeah. Uh, so that was, is always a, um, you know, a great memory of that exchange of, uh, beginning of adulthood, uh, mm. expensive, uh, you know, extravagant Star Wars uh, Christmas presents. And uh, they went and took the ad ad out of the box and uh, put it up on a little uh, buffet display area in my new apartment where other people might put up uh, dishes or family photos. I put a <laughs> giant stomping ice war machine. And I loved it. <laughs> as, as, as you should. As you should. <laughs> as I should. So that that's an older one. And then the first thing that came to my mind with the Ross Squatch's great question is, you know, a new one uh, from this year. Uh, this is also about me going home uh, to my dad's place for the holidays. Um, I had stopped at the, the Target that I used to shop at that I bought many Power of the Force 2 action figures at. Um, I, I picked up uh, the uh, Black Series Din and Grogu uh, Ice Spiders uh, mm-hmm. because I just like imagining those are the holiday edition. <laughs> yes. Because yes. Din has the snow, uh, you know, uh, you know, actually put on him, articulated on him. Uh, it was like, it's like he's in Minnesota. So I bought that for myself. And then I passed the ornament aisle. And this is like two days before Christmas. And the ornaments were 50% off. Mm-hmm. And there's an Obi-Wan ornament I've been looking at from the new series. He's kind of in his uh, Jabim uh, outfit, blade out. And I like the first time I saw it, I was like, I got to get that. I, we already have a lot of Star Wars on the tree, Sarah, but I got to get that. And she's like, yeah, of course, of course. And then I look at it and it is comically bad with the paint job. Like mm-hmm. almost all of them have his eyes. They're either googly eyes or his eyes are rolling up. <laughs> In the back yeah. of his head, like he hates yes. you or he is half asleep or experiencing some sort of bodily pleasure. Everyone is funny. And like almost all of them with the 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 paint on the hairline is off. So it looks like he's got <laughs> a, a weird flesh growth and then he's balding at the same time. Like, <laughs> and I was like, it's half off and it's funny. And I was just like, that might be cool for me to bring to my dad and say, hey, uh, I'm spending the holidays here. Uh, I'm putting an ornament on the tree. Uh, so it's the family tree. Uh, so I, I bought it, I brought it home. I was like, can I put an ornament on the tree? And my dad was like, yeah. Uh, so I, I put up Obi-Wan and really enjoyed it. <laughs> it's, it is, it was Obi-Wan and mostly like a couple snow men, snow people and <laughs> festive balls and Obi-Wan. <laughs> and that was it on this very large tree. And when I left, I, I put out the box and I was like, okay, this is this is my ornament on the tree now. I'm going to ask you to pack it up and make sure it's here next year. So that's it was yeah. a very happy Star Wars holiday memory. Oh, see, have Star Wars will travel. Yep, Absolutely. yep. Freakish Obi Wan <laughs> is now a part of my holiday tradition. 
There is truly something special about those. It's it's kind of like the spirit of the holiday album. It's just like a weird off brand, not exactly right Star Wars stuff. It's just that's somewhat official. It's, we're not talking about some knockoff, you know, uh, Space Wizard Man or some some weird figure. It like a bootleg. Like I love that stuff. I love that. Yeah. Stuff. In, in there's I've seen them at three different targets and it's like it's not a one off that it's consistently mm-hmm. bad and it makes me want to have this like <laughs> narrative that there's like there there's some elf at Santa's workshop who like everybody knows like man uh, Petey's trying but Petey yeah. just doesn't have it so we're gonna let him do these Obi Wan ornaments <laughs> oh Petey that's the best. Oh, Petey. So great question, Ross Squatch. We are going to move on to our next question from Joe Becker. Joe asks, what if the solo movie started with Han, Harrison, and Lando, Billy, and they were playing Sabacc and the conversation led to the flashback movie, handing the baton to the young guys, then end with old Han going to Jakku for the Falcon? Would people then be more connected? Uh, I, I think uh, Joe's asking a great question of, you know, acknowledging that some people enjoyed the solo movie. Some people didn't, but even some people who did enjoy the movie, you know, would say things like, but he doesn't look like Han or it's a great movie if you pretend he isn't Han because that's not Han. So I think Joe's getting mm-hmm. to this idea of would people feel more connected to the, the that is Han, that is Lando if they were uh, there was bookends with the original mm-hmm. actors. So, Ken, how do you feel about this? Um, yeah, first of all, I've, I've cut a lot of those people out of my life. So that's where I'll start. Um, <laughs> and talk to them as much anymore. Uh, but I think, I think, yeah, I think, well, perhaps it would have allowed people to accept it a lot better uh, as if those performers were giving their, their blessings in a way. Mm, yeah. the, the, the truth is, I think they both already had done that in their own way. Remember those photos of Billy D and Donald Glover having lunch together, right? Just mm-hmm. talking about the character. And I, I don't think there was definitely nothing negative in the press from Billy D. Williams or Harrison Ford about it. Mm-hmm. Then you got the the, the press. Um, I'm t- particularly uh, particularly thinking of that one video where Harrison mm-hmm. sneaks up on Alden and you know surprises him and is like, "He did great. I've seen the movie twice." Like all the stuff was out there, uh, but you know, again, the general population they don't they don't have the time to look that up. You know, they're not sitting in the theater going, oh, "Did Billy D. have lunch with Donald Glover? Did he? Did he? Did he? Did he?" <laughs> so. Perhaps it would have been something on screen that would have worked and that people would have accepted more. The connection thing, I like. actually like this pitch of Han going to Jakku or mentioning that. Yeah, that could have worked. Um, I, I, I just think, here's where I go with it. I just think creatively, creatively um, Joe, it would have been a little too on the nose for a story mm-hmm. that, as much as I love Solo with a capital L, uh, it has some on the nose beats in it already. You know, uh, the Kessel Run, uh, How I Met Chewie, Chewie gets the nickname, all those things. And, and that didn't work for a lot of people. I enjoyed it, uh, but I actually really understand that hey, it comes across as like, this is the story you kind of might might have thought in, in terms of some of these big beats in Han's life and, and career. So it would have been like, oh, of course it's a bookend. I'm not saying everyone would have thought that. I'm not saying I would have thought that. But I think to me, looking at it now, years later, that might have been the feeling. I, I think in the, the day, Solo was such a lesson uh, if you want to look at positively a, a lesson in marketing and promotion, mm-hmm. just how the zeitgeist conversations can lead, whether you want it to or not. And, and, and that, what I, what I mean by that specifically this question is I, you know, some of the talk on, on Alden, you, you might not like the performance. That, that's, that's totally fine. It just sometimes seems like it was like, I don't know, like uh, no one would have like I, that Harrison didn't want this or George wouldn't have liked this. And this is by the way, I think it's what George's favorites of the sequel era like uh, go ask george and the sabaro i don't know but 
<laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, and it just, but the conversation was that this was the redheaded stepchild of star Wars. Mm. Um, and by the way, I'm engaged to a redhead. So let's say that carefully, um, <laughs> you know, like, um, and it's just not fair for the movie. There's so much that I don't think was fair for the movie where people just heard it and took it. So yeah, maybe all I have to say, maybe it needed that. Maybe it needed to feel more connected. Maybe the stakes in that movie were too small and maybe people were just confused going, but that's not my Han hashtag, not my Han. But if Harrison had shown up, would it have been okay? Um, I don't know. You know, he showed up in a young Indiana Jones Chronicles as a bookend old mm-hmm. Indy. Maybe a little different, different time. Uh, you know, if, if, if last crusade had been the reverse where Harrison shows up and river Phoenix is him, the rest of the movie, would that have been needed? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. So we'll never know, of course, Joe, but, uh, it's fun to think of. Cause all that said, and I'll pa- pass it back to you, Joseph. I'm, I'm monologuing today. Um, uh, a Sabak <laughs> scene with Billy D and Harrison at, at this age, I want a short film of that. Please. That would have been fun to see. Give me that now. No, I love it. I, I love the monologues because they, they are insightful and I, I, I love uh, hearing uh, where we're on the same page. Um, I think that having them there as as this introduction, this bookend, I think it would have been a split because I think Solo is just always going to be a film where are you on board with a different actor playing young versions of Han and Lando or are you not? You know? Mm-hmm. And I think for some fans, seeing... Uh, Harrison Ford and Billy D. Williams w- would have worked exactly as Joe is describing. Some fans would have felt like that connective tissue was there, that that Harrison and and Billy D. Williams were, were there coaching them, and that it's all the same character. And mm-hmm. and maybe even there's a little bit of hey, they look different because this is a memory that that ends with a uh, old Han and Lando going doodle doo doodle doo. We fade into it, maybe you know, uh, yeah. joking around a little bit, but I but I mean it sincerely that maybe having the original actors there would have given it this uh, stamp of authenticity, and yes, and the characters in the film would have felt more to the viewers like the characters they know. It might have helped some people. I think other fans, it would have made the existing disagreements uh, uh, about how people feel about it even stronger. I think for some people, it would have felt like, well, it's that's rubbing salt in the wound to see real Han. And then we cut to this, this kid who yeah. has yeah. a totally different structured face, whose uh, vocal register is higher. You know, the, the kind yeah. of things that just really do bother some people. Um, yeah. yeah the, hey, uh, Donald Glover nailed uh, the, the vibe of Lando, but physically look really different. Like the kind of people who are bothered by that, it might have made it even worse. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I think it's just kind of a, a mixed bag for me, for my taste i i just i'm really okay that they that uh the young actors played the soul of the characters they did not do impressions of the actors harrison ford and billy d williams they played the truth of the characters on solo and lando calrissian and for me they absolutely knocked it out of the park mm-hmm. um is always a respect uh, for people that it didn't work. But man, uh, the more I sit with it, I love that movie. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry I'm turning the last couple episodes of Force Center into Dad Center. Uh, but <laughs> I, know my dad, I know my dad would like this movie. And he, and, and I, I was going to buy it at that Target too. And then he doesn't have a, yeah, I didn't have a disc player right now. So that's another <laughs> uh, Christmas present I need to get him so I can sit down and have him watch mm-hmm. Solo with me. Um yeah, yeah. I, so so I, I think there's a problem. I think there's a possibility where 
that having them there just makes the extreme opinions of being totally cool with it and being frustrated by it even more extreme, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah. I think the other thing that it's such a neat and interesting idea for me, I think my kind of my, my writer brain goes on with the idea of older Han and Lando bookends of what's the storytelling reason for that? What's the mood mm-hmm. reason for that? Star Wars certainly does have a history of, uh, this is a story that's being told. I think the, you know, a long time ago is, is a storybook intro. Um, but I think I'd be really intrigued by the movie being very, very different because I feel like Han and Lando would have different points of view on this story, right? Mm-hmm. So if they're both kind of being the storyteller, it, it would invite me into like, um, are, are are they are they pushing and pulling? Does Han tell one chapter and Lando tells another? You mm. know, would it, would it invite me as the audience to question this story? Because this is uh, the memory of right. two old, uh, mostly friends, but slight frenemies <laughs> uh, with big egos, different takes and and years of legend building. And that's the other thing that's really interesting to me about it. If you framed it as this is a story or a memory that is being shared from Han Solo and Lando Calrissian. You always want to take this storyteller into account, right? Mm-hmm. And these are two characters who are interested in active legend building. Yeah. It's part of how they get through the galaxy. The film, th- this actual film solo, it's obviously in their characters, other places, but it happens in the film solo, right? Lando saying everything you've heard about me is true, Right. Lando is interested in and aware of the power of crafting your own narrative. Mm-hmm. He wants people to think he's a, a big deal. He wants there to be tall tales about him. He's trying to encourage it. He is recording his own stories for posterity, possibly exaggerating. Lando is basically, in our day, day and age, an expert at building his galactic brand. Yes. And Han knows the value of building his galactic brand. And everyone thinks his Instagram photos are fake. He's not really there. He's acknowledging it. Han Solo is the, my friends are just off the center of the, just off frame, (laughs) smiling and laughing and having a great time. Because Lando successfully builds his brand in his legend by, by telling stories about himself. And Han spends what we apparently see as his entire life trying to build up his brand by going, you know, I, I'm a rebel, I'm a criminal, I'm a scoundrel. And you're like, hey, you're, you're a bum who <laughs> doesn't get the job done. It's like, yeah, but I'm, I made the Kessel Run and, and everybody who tries to tell about the Kessel Run from, you know, Chewbacca, his best friend, down to Ray, Miss Miramune, to, to Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah. Everyone that, he, that Han tells his tall tale legend to doubts him, mocks him, misquotes him. <laughs> It's just, it, to me, it's fascinating that, that yeah. it's essential to these characters that they want to uh, brand build, yeah. legend build. One of them is great at them, and one of them is comically <laughs> bad at them. So what happens to the story when it is those two mm-hmm. telling their own story and, by extension, absolutely building their legend? See, but now, now yeah, now you're pitching something I, I would want. I, now, now, now I think I almost changed my own answer of, yeah, that's creative. Let's put that in there. Um <laughs> And again, just to see these two performers at this age embody those character, those characters together. Um, and again, I know a lot of people sequel era are like, hey, we didn't even get the big three in one shot. I get it. I get it. I feel mm-hmm. that pain sometimes too. Uh, but 
yeah, and maybe Force Awakens would have been the spot for Lando, but uh, uh, yeah, uh, that that's hilarious. It, it's such a yeah, wonderful uh, look at the characters. And I'll say this though, I agree with your point of even if the characters were there, it might not have worked for everybody in the way this question is intended. Because uh, you had Mark Hamill there as Luke Skywalker, and that didn't work for people. He literally <laughs> was the character, and people are like, "Well, this is this is not not only not something I like, but this is a conspiracy." Right. <laughs> was he there at Blaster Point because they wouldn't let him out? Like so, yeah, weird times, weird times. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, obviously, Mark Hamill uh, talked about he, how he he helped reluctance. <laughs> yeah, he, he he mentioned his reluctance. In the same breath, he almost always said, but I came around to it and saw what a great film it was. And yeah, it would have been repetitive if it was the very standard uh, mentor tale and that. But sometimes people don't hear that part of the, the mm-hmm. tale of mm-hmm. both Mark and Luke uh, in, yeah. in the sequel trilogy. Yeah. So very interesting. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just, I love the the journey mm-hmm. of grumpy Harrison Ford who, you know, had his ups and downs with uh, the fame that that Star Wars brought, or rather Star Wars, he seemed to like the fame and the the uh, opportunities that Star Wars brought him. Yeah, but had yeah. ups and downs with Star Wars, coming around to just being like, I so respect the craft of acting that I saw a, a Star Wars movie twice, so I could really appreciate the mm-hmm. amazing acting job that Alden Ehrenreich did to capture the essence of this character, and wanting to see it twice to to be amazed and impressed by you know the magic trick that Alden Ehrenreich pulled off, in my opinion. Yeah, Mm, I think it was magic. Magic. All right, and on that note, we are going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with some cues from our patrons on Patreon. Back in a moment. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of what-ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry, and some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs, no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. And we are back to take those cues from our peas. <laughs> <laughs> on Patreon. Never gonna say that again. Uh, this comes to us from patron Perry Wakefield. Uh, uh, I apologize, Perry, for, for saying P. Anyway, moving on. Uh, Perry says, Hello, Force Center. I think there is a great conversation to be had as to whether or not Star Wars is fantasy or sci-fi or mythology. I believe it is equally parts of all three. I just rewatched the Mortis arc of the Clone Wars. I think that is a great example of fantasy. Andor, I believe, is a great example of dystopian sci-fi. In the opening line of A Long Time Ago in a Galaxy Far, Far Away, gives it a mythological feel to me. What are your thoughts? Thanks and keep up the great work. Oh, I love this question. I love looking at it. I love hearing other people's uh, sort of uh, takeaway of what genres mean to them and how they see those genres mm, manifest yeah. in, in Star Wars. So, Ken, monologue away. Go for it. Uh, <laughs> Perry, I think this is a, this is a great answer that, that you provided, that it is really all three. And, and it's part of that stylistic buffet we uh, talk about here. A lot of times we talk about it in terms of uh, – genre western horror all those kind of things but i think just what star wars is it, it can and should be and is all three i i've been one that is always on that kind of almost grumpy uh you know uh, fist uh, on the table it's it's fantasy it's not sci-fi but that that's that's incorrect i think for me uh that it's it's not just one so therefore i i i think this is my answer that, that that that's all three. But if there was a DL forty four blaster to my head and I had to choose one, I would go uh, just with hey, it's it's modern mythology that encapsulates all my feelings on it uh, mm. and what I connect to, and ex it explains it for myself the best. Like when mm. I try to dive into why I love Star Wars, the reason, especially over the last couple of years. And I admit I'm, I'm a bit of a bit of an a-hole, bit of a grump when it comes to this stuff overall. I, I it's hard. I don't like to watch things. I don't like so a lot of the times 
I have to really, oh, you can, you like Star Wars? You would like fill in the blank on a wonderful show, movie, or piece of art, uh, media content. And I have to get, be like, I don't, I got to tell you, I don't like sci-fi. I like Star Wars. And, and I don't mean to be, uh, you know, this, uh, uh, too uh, special kind of again. I keep making not Billy, not Billy Zane and Titanic. Poor Billy Zane. He's done nothing wrong today, other than than sound like uh, he's in the upper crust. <laughs> I don't try to make it like that. I just, I just, I've, I've because you and I and many others kind of live as fans online and, and shows. I don't think anyone approaches it in a bad way. I get grumpy about. Oh, can you like Game of Thrones? You'll like Witcher. You'll like Last uh, Kingdom. I have to be like I like Game of Thrones, and I think that is spoiled. Just kind of me looking at star Wars with this lens of it's all mm. of it. And, and, and it's under the umbrella of modern mythology or mythology just in general. And there's something parts of it that are 100% sci-fi. Yeah, you know, recently you could look at Andor, but before that a hundred percent fantasy world between worlds. What the bleep is that? Uh, if it's not fantasy, mm. um, Mortis, uh, a, a lightsaber is both fantasy and sci-fi. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It is a laser sword, but it's also this mythic thing. So I think that's, I think, you know, I don't want to say correct way to look at it, but for me, when I just think of why do I love Star Wars? It is a modern piece of, of, of mythology that, and, and all that applies to that. And, and, and I love that. And, um, you know, it also helps me accept that there's parts of Star Wars I don't gravitate as much. So that sci-fi angle, I don't gravitate to sci-fi as much. I love Star Trek stuff. I don't, it's, it's always been a little bit more sci-fi for me. And I, I can't tell you why that doesn't pull me in as much as pew, pew, pew. Cause there's pew, pew, pew in Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I can't tell you why I can't put a finger on it. I just know from an early age, Star Wars was my thing, but I love, I love Star Trek six, love Star Trek four. I can go on for <laughs> days about that. I even like Star Trek eight. I think it's great. First contact. Um, but I call it a mythology reminds me that it's, it's a big umbrella and there's a lot of different parts and you don't have to connect with all of it on an individual basis, you just connect with Star Wars. Uh, no, I think it's a great monologue, and I really agree with, uh, you know, kind of just choosing to say, here, here, it's got all of these pieces. What pieces do are moving to me um, and what makes it unique to me? Uh, I think modern mythology is, is a great catch-all because I think mythology is sort of an, an undeniable uh, part of Star Wars is built on specific ideas of myths. Uh, lots of, uh, you know, studies of myth are obviously very re- re- reflected, not just the Joseph Campbell stuff, but other people's uh, analysis of myth. Yeah. Uh, Star Wars comes up a ton because it was it was built that way. Um, I also think space fantasy, you know, is a great catch-all uh, for Star Wars to kind of acknowledge the sci-fi part of it, but also say uh, that fantasy is a lot, you can draw some more distinct parallels, I think, in the kind of the story structure uh, mm-hmm. to to fantasy. Um, I, I kind of think each individual fan should embrace Star Wars, you know, how they want to. What, yeah, what do you enjoy yeah. about fantasy in, in as a genre? And what of so when, when you see a fantasy and say, here's what I love about fantasy. Do you see those elements of fantasy that you love in Star Wars and then take that over to sci fi, to samurai films, to Western films, mm-hmm. to 20th century romance comedy films, pulp <laughs> magazines, adventure serials, paperback novels, you know, uh, mm-hmm. all of that stuff. You, you can see all these trappings for sure. Yeah. But when I, when I was really trying to think through this question, we talk about the why uh, a lot when we were sort of uh, talking about the story and the character choices of, of Star Wars. Of uh, Why did they do that? What is this really about ultimately? 
uh, and to me, the the why of the different genre labels is the most important because you can get it get into a thing where you're just like you're ticking off surface level. Uh, what's their technology like? Uh, what is the the story structure? And you're 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 talking about great stuff, interesting stuff. But for me, it, it's it ultimately about the why of what makes fantasy a different genre from sci-fi and then how does that apply to star wars and like to me i I think there are tons of sci-fi elements because it's set in space it's happening a long time ago but they have massively advanced technology uh compared to us uh so for me the the sci-fi is in the trappings it's a technology it's a little bit more of the how and in not the why of like yes uh, a lightsaber is advanced uh technology from from our human perspective but it's a total uh, arthurian sword in the stone that that blade was coming to ray in the dark forest <laughs> everything mm-hmm. else other than the the futuristic lightsaber in that great scene in force awakens is deeply invested in fantasy um so there's there's always that that balance in to me, I love what Perry says about um, Andor being a, an example of dystopian uh, science fiction. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think it's uh, definitely dystopian, and there's definitely even with Nemec's great speech about technology, it's you know drawing in the, the really putting uh, the the focus on technology, getting into dystopian stuff. But for me, the big difference between science fiction and fantasy, the why of them, is I feel like science fiction is a genre if you put aside the trappings of the technology, it's almost always a genre that is wrestling with where we might be headed. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's the possibility of Star Trek has this great hope of what if we could work together more and have much more of a, of a, of a paradise. Mm -hmm. Um, And then as we go out into the galaxy in this, uh, in this, the universe with this, a great spirit of togetherness, a federation of people working together. Uh, now we want to meet even more people. How are we going to deal with the challenges that come up with that? It's starting from a utopia place, and then can we keep it? Mm-hmm. And it, so it's this hopeful vision of what we could be in the future. You know, you get to the the Enterprise, the, the Star Trek show Enterprise, and the, the opening credits are literally like, here's real world events leading up to the events of, yeah. of Star Trek, right? And I feel like with dystopian sci-fi, so much of it is this is where we might be headed if these specific societal problems continue. What is the yeah. worst version of where we might be beheaded? Mm. Um, and fantasy to me is more interested in kind of wrestling with forever problems, uh, not in that the problems mm-hmm. have to be there forever, but they're cyclical and they're going to come up again. They're always going to be a challenge, right? Yeah. Uh Anger will always be a temptation. The young will always need uh, mentors. Uh, stuff is going to happen to you that happens to Frodo of, yep, uh, I, I know that, you know, bad times are always going to come again and you're going to have to face them. I really wish it didn't have to be me and it didn't have to be during my time right. so I could sing songs and eat cakes, right? Um, right. Uh, I think that idea of it, it is a, it, it's a forever challenge to fight our darkest instincts and in impulses and to to walk the high road of trying to find peace and to find unity uh but you're never just gonna beat the darkness once it's gonna mm-hmm. rise again in some way and how can how can different generations be prepared and, and right. stop as many people as possible from being hurt to me that's that's like 
the why of fantasy. And that's why it's so, such mm. a trope in fantasy that the Dark Lord rose again, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> and you have that across, you know, Lord of the Rings to Harry Potter to, you know, even the controversial return of Palpatine. But even if it isn't Palpatine, it's the dark side. It's yes. Katie Mundy going, we live in a sci-fi utopia. <laughs> and the story of Star Wars <laughs> going, actually, we live in a, in a, in a space fantasy where the, the Sith are going to attempt to return. You're never going to wipe them out entirely. That's, that's mm. it. It's a metaphor, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's the, what I get really interested in is, is that, that why. And I'm open to, to people totally, of course, uh, disagreeing or having a different uh, perspective. But uh, sci-fi fantasy, it's like, what, what are these stories interested in? What, what makes mm-hmm. these genres a little different from one another? Mm-hmm. Rather than, more than just trapping of sci-fi happens in the future and fantasy happens in the past. Because right. Star Wars turns that on its head, right? Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, at the end of the day, I like Star Wars. That's, yeah, that's my answer. Yeah, no, and and I think that is what's so great about it is it it incorporates all these things, but in combining them, it becomes more than the the sum of its parts. Yeah, you know. And, and the final thing for me is I think uh, I think you know Perry talks about uh, mythology. You say modern mythology, and to me, mythology is is the part of Star Wars that is explicitly meant to teach, right? Yep. Some stories are do, just kind of one of they they want to be cathartic. They want to be uh, poke at a problem and go how do we solve this you know star wars wants to have some ideas about how you could address problems you know lucas yeah. has been explicit about this this is the part of it where it's you know for 12 year olds of all ages i don't think lucas turns and says that to an audience full of uh, adults with uh, with lightsabers to make fun of them it's mm-hmm. because that's a part of it is uh my understanding of the history of mythology is it's it's trying to understand why we're here. It's working through the mm-hmm. fears of of that times, those whatever yeah. time the mythology is told in. It's working through fundamental questions of existence. And I think the fact that since the beginning, a declared point of the first Star Wars film is Lucas saying, "Here's some guides on how to not give into anger and how to work together yeah. and make better choices." That makes it mythology to me. Yeah, and that's and that's again why you know this connects with us in specific ways, specific ways for our own lives. That's where I, you know, been a fan since I can remember. Right, eighty three, that Christmas of eighty three, I, I, I've fallen more in love with Star Wars from I'll even say twenty seventeen on, especially the way we talk about it here, but the way we look at it, and I can't escape that. Where anytime I sit down, whether it's a five minute Forces of Destiny short or a two and a half hour movie. What's in it for us and what's in it for me in terms of the big life lessons is what I pull out more than anything. And, and, you know, it's like a marriage. <laughs> you got to stoke the flames and you re-fall in love with the person, you know, blah, blah. all those things you've heard. By the way, I'm not officially married. Um, that's what Star Wars has been for me when I started looking at Star Wars like that. Uh, in a way I hadn't. It always had been there. But, you know, even even that's why I talk so strongly about the getting out of the prediction game. Uh, 2015, 2016, working some of the digital media companies I worked at, that was how you talked about it. What's mm-hmm. the prediction? And that's so surface level. And once I moved past that, for me, for others, it doesn't have to be, uh, and looked at it as truly, it, it, it's mythology with a purpose, even down to a two minute short on a YouTube kids channel for Star Wars. It's trying to tell us something. It's trying to ask some questions. I've gotten so much more enjoyment out of it than before. Yeah. Me too. Absolutely. Uh, that was a great question and a great conversation. Thank you very much, Perry. We are going to go, Ken, from mm. one of the biggest questions possible. Perry basically asked us, what is Star Wars? <laughs> and from that, we're going to go down to, 
what does this specific title of this specific episode of this specific animated show mean? What's that all about? <laughs> uh, this comes to us from Anakin Crespin, who always asks us uh, great and fun and interesting questions. Thank you, Anakin. Anakin yeah. says, hello. Yesterday, my girlfriend Miranda asked me a question about the Clone Wars episode Shadow Warrior that I could not answer and am passing on to you guys. So in the episode where Jar Jar must impersonate Boss Leone after Richelieu mind controls Leone with the necklace and stabs him, who is the Shadow Warrior referred mm. to in the title? Jar Jar? Richelieu? Someone else I'm not thinking of? Hopefully it's not too obvious. And if you don't already know, I know that you two can get to the bottom of it. Thanks. Well, mm. thank you, uh, Anakin, for the confidence. Uh, we'll offer some A's, but I, I, I don't know uh, <laughs> if they will be correct, if this answer is knowable. Mm -hmm. uh, Ken, where do you go with this? Uh, so I didn't have time to rewatch the episode, but I, I did bring up a, a Wikipedia summary and and, and and took my mind back there. First of all, you you and I just covered this episode not too long ago on, on Clone Wars Report, and it's a great episode. Mm -hmm. A lot of things happen in this episode, and it's one of our favorite Jar Jar episodes, which the Clone Wars features a lot. So in trying to break down, you and I, this is why we discussed the titles. I can't remember what you and I said. I should try to pull, pull up any notes. <laughs> so if I repeat myself or completely go in a different direction, I apologize. I really think, especially when you dig into this episode, it's not just Rish Lu uh, influencing Boss Leone. It is. It, it, it goes to Grievous. It goes to Dooku. It goes to Palpatine. And I, I don't know. I still, from this vantage point, I think there's a little bit of it that is that is Jar Jar because he's definitely a warrior in this episode, fighting for fighting mm. for the good cause here, and always doing some brave things, and always proving that. All of us matter, and all of us are on the fight, and all, all all of us bring something to the table. One of the big cores of uh, the Jar Jar character to us. I, I I do look at Dooku, Palpatine. It's always easy to answer because he he is at the center of it all. But Dooku during this time, what he's selling in this episode too. It's about mm -hmm. you know Rish Lu. He he's playing on the the Naboo uh, Gungan divide, and we'll, I'll help you take Thede City. Uh, help you do this the separatists we're here for that we're here for those kind of freedoms and justices as we build a safe and secure society it is all in the shadows and he's very much there because one of my favorite parts of this episode is there's that kind of like sith we'll call it a sith substation on the boo yeah those police stations at the mall where they're like hey you get a bench and a chair and a computer and there it's a police substation and, yeah, and it's, not can, a, it's not a full full place. It's just yeah. you. You can order from the Sith catalog there, but you can't pick up the <laughs> yeah. items there. Yeah, and it's just there, and it's been there, and, and you know how that ties to Palpatine and everything. And you know we don't know all those answers, so that's part of the shadow too. So I, I go to that. I go to the dark side, and and Richelieu's probably in that as well. But uh, it all uh, all roads lead to the Sith during this time for me. No, I, I I think those are really great thoughts. The bit of information that I was able to find on the Clone Wars, uh, on the Star Wars.com uh, Clone Wars episode guides, uh, Kristen Baver did a great job with. Uh, it says the episode's title is a nod to the English translation of uh, Kakumusha. I know I'm saying that mm -hmm. incorrectly. I apologize. I don't know the correct pronunciation. Uh, but that is uh, the English translation of a 1980 Akira Kurosawa film mm -hmm. produced by George Lucas. So I think the the title itself is a is a nod, uh, is what this information is giving us. But it still doesn't answer Anakin's question. Uh, I agree with you. I I kind of think this is one of those titles where it's fun to try it on in different ways. I always talk about I love Chapter Three of the Mandalorian being called the Sin, 
mm-hmm. because there are lots of different perspectives in the episode of, of if you asked individual characters, if they, if you told those characters, hey, these couple days of your life are called the sin. What was the mm-hmm. sin? Different characters would say, well, it's when Din did this. It's when Din didn't do this, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I feel like Shadow Warrior could be like that. If you wanted to uh, put a positive spin on it, if it's a heroic, if you're hearing that heroically, mm-hmm. It is. It is literally undercover Jar Jar, right? It's it's Binks undercover, right? So right. Uh, he he is pretending to be Bosleyoni, and he is being this incredibly brave warrior in, in doing mm. that. So you you could apply it to Jar Jar if you wanted to. Mm. Uh, I, I think Shadow, particularly in a a, a story that is uh, about the dark side, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to me it, it perhaps implies a little bit of menace, a little bit of malice. So I, if I was going to try to put it on a character, I'd probably put it on on uh, Leone being mm-hmm. under the influence of of a literal shadow in in Richelieu, of yeah. being under uh, uh, Leone is is uh, being forced into going to war. He is a warrior who is under the influence of a shadow. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess you could also put it on Richelieu because he is the shadow behind the warrior. But then is the episode in which really a shocking amount of things happens in this 24 minutes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dooku is, yeah, on planet in the Sith substation, the Sith outlet store. uh, And he is revealed as the the direct Sith behind this particular plan. So he is the Shadow Warrior. So at the end of the day, if I was going to write me an essay, uh, you know, and say, (laughs) uh, you have to make an argument for what the title is referring to, I would say that Shadow Warrior is the dark side itself. This episode Mm -hmm. is so much about the dark side. It's layers and layers and layers of deceit. Um, And at the end of the day, it is the dark side. It is Dooku knowingly letting the dark side dogs run wild of I can use anger and distrust to break something. There is Mm -hmm. peace between the Gungans and the Naboo. Uh, our our war has made times really hard in Naboo, so there isn't enough going around. It, as soon as people are, are suffering, uh, probably work better for them to come together, right? Mm-hmm. But the dark side wants people, when they're out there having the hardest time, to blame someone else and fight about it. And that's the heart of what is going on in this episode, is uh, Dooku is... is uh, deploying the shadow warrior that is the dark side that's anger and distrust uh to break an alliance that actually makes uh the gungas and the naboo stronger stronger mm. it's a lot there a lot there check it out folks seriously shadow warrior go yeah, dive it, it, in if if you just cornered someone and said <laughs> okay mm-hmm. do you think all of these things happen in one episode of the clone wars and they're and they're like okay yeah yeah they're like but here's the thing it stars Jar Jar Binks oh whoa no I because I can't like that character I've been told and this is one of those ones like oh Jar Jar does some silly things and then Anakin is shocked and tortured tortured like eighty seven times brutally uh, yeah. yeah major Phantom Menace character meets his end. Amazing right. stuff in this episode. Yeah, right, yeah. right. It's a, oh my gosh. Yeah, don't get me started. Love it so yeah. much. It's great. Pour one out for. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. know why I don't want to spoil that. Anyway, if you <laughs> haven't seen this episode, 
check out Shadow Warrior yeah, yeah. and see who you think this Shadow Warrior is. Uh, that is it for our questions, but we do, uh, total opposite of Shadow Warrior, have a Power of the Light Side submission. We started asking our patrons on Patreon to submit something they love about Star Wars. Could be a specific moment, could be a specific memory, uh, because every once in a while, a Star Wars discourse can dive into the dark side, and we just wanted to do something to remind all of us, uh, ourselves included, uh, that we actually do love this Star Wars thing and that makes a difference in our lives. So that's what all that's all about. This one comes to us from Bryce. Bryce says, My power of the light side involves watching Star Wars with my four-year-old four son, Ezra, not named after the Star Wars character. On the podcast, you all talk <laughs> often about entry points into the Star Wars universe. Well, my son's entry point has proven to be Star Wars Resistance, followed closely by the sequel era films. When he wants to watch Star Wars, he wants to watch Kaz Star Wars or Ray Star Wars mm. or Poe Star Wars or even BB-8 Star Wars. In fact, I'm virtually unable to watch any of the original or prequel films with him because he constantly wants to know where Kaz is or where Ray is That's or where Poe is. And he gets grumpy if they don't show up. I know that the sequel era films and Resistance in particular are looked down upon by many in Star Wars fandom. But the best Star Wars to me will always be the Star Wars I get to watch with my kid while sitting on the couch. That is mm -hmm. a, a great Power of the Light side. Mm -hmm. Ken, uh, what are your thoughts or reactions? There's literally the note I wrote in, in, in our show notes. Yeah, yeah, that's the stuff right there. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what it's uh, it's about in so many ways. And why, especially over even the last year, I think I've got gotten a little bit more stringent on on my views on entry points and defending not Star Wars the brand not Lucasfilm or Disney the companies not even the actors and directors and performers in them defending what Star Wars means to everybody everybody no matter what age which generation whatever your engagement is have your snarky jokes I just saw uh, this morning one on a on a reel someone making fun of the the old lady at the end of Rise of Skywalker how yeah. big of you how funny of you you're going to go out and take that joy that that scene might provide for someone, the lessons that someone might provide and what it means to the youngsters. Yeah. You know, Star Wars resistance, uh, it was gone in two seasons and people, it's a blip on the radar screen. And sometimes you look in the rear view mirror, it's deep. It has dark themes throughout some of the episodes, some characters new to the series that you and I, and so many people love. And it's also this it's Kaz star Wars. That's amazing to hear. <laughs> That's amazing to hear. And I love it. I love it. Uh, again, I'm not defending a brand because the brand doesn't need to be defended. Uh, the zeros that they are deposited in the uh, Disney banks, even if they're struggling. Uh, sorry, Iger. Sorry, Chappie. Um, They're still going strong. Star Wars will could end tomorrow. It, its legacy's cemented. Um, it doesn't need defending. But I, I do feel that this is the kind of folks and this is the kind of fan that I uh, I want to not necessarily defend like, again, they need it, but I want to be on the lines with them celebrating this part of Star Wars and looking at Star Wars in this way. Yes, we have our favorites. Yes, you might like Andor more than Book of Boba Fett. You might like Kenobi more than Mando. You might like Attack of the Clones more than any of it. It doesn't matter. You're here for what you love, and I love hearing these stories. Uh, Bryce, this is a wonderful, wonderful story. And, and I want to watch post-Star Wars and race Star Wars. I definitely want to watch BB-8 Star Wars with you and your family. Yeah, and man, and, and the the joy then that uh, that uh, Bryce's son can get uh, Kaz Star Wars and then Poe and BB-8 Star Wars wow, right in the on. Kaz Star Wars with those appearances. Yes, That's so yes. great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well said to everything. Uh, the, 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 the basic response I wrote on my notes is, this made my heart grow three sizes. 
<laughs> it's just, uh, I think it is just the spirit of, yes, uh, loving what you love and, you know, giving people time to grow and may, maybe uh, uh, mm. Bryce's son will grow up to love all Star Wars. But, uh, but man, cast Star Wars and raise Star Wars, that will always be, that's his entry point. That's his love. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, we're mm. all born different times. We all encounter things different times. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, for me, it's just really great to hear. Um, I really, I really like resistance. I think the resistance is very well done. There's so many things uh, about it that I love and celebrate, but one of the things about it is, Hey, they, they tell us, uh, Hey, it's pitched to this age to, to draw people into star Wars. And there's, it's got plenty of stuff for adults too, but it's great to hear that it is working to draw, uh, kids of specific ages in and say, what's this Star Wars thing about? Uh, is Kaz going to be okay this week? Do his friends still like him? <laughs> yeah. Is he in yeah. trouble? Like all, all this, you know, can he get down the hall without slipping? I'm worried about Kaz. Or can, yeah. can he get that ship fixed? Come on, man. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. It's really gratifying to hear that the intent of uh, the show works uh, on yeah. on the audience. Um, yeah, and then we've talked about uh, the ups and downs with the sequels, but I... It's so great, even from a four-year-old, to begin to hear the people who are going to receive it differently. Mm -hmm. uh, the sequel kids who get to watch all three films back-to-back, -back, free of preconceived notions, free from multiple years of speculating, free from even any knowledge of who Ryan Johnson or J.J. Abrams or Kathleen Kennedy are. <laughs> are. Yeah. That they they're freed from from Team Last Jedi, Team Rise of Skywalker, freed from all of that, and they are just sitting down and watching the story. They're just watching Ray and Poe and BB eights and everybody's story. Uh, I, I can't wait until uh, that generation is is really coming of age and really sharing a, a different perspective on what the sequel trilogy films are freed of uh, uh, uh some of the other baggage um yeah yeah and totally with you you know obviously always okay to talk about what you don't like what you didn't like what worked for you what you didn't what's your favorite why all that stuff um and i'll i'll, I'll start by uh by saying uh one of my favorite things is old woman with knee toby at the end of rise of skywalker mm -hmm. one of the best lines in in the films i think it, there's been no one for so long it's mm -hmm. literal about the lars homestead but it's so much more about the galaxy needing heroes that that subtext there is beautiful. And I want to celebrate that. Yeah. It's a wonderful moment. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Uh, Bryce, this is a great share. Truly power. The life side reflected. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Bryce. And thank you everyone else who submitted questions. Ken, where can people find us? Oh, you can find us on Twitter at Four Center Pod. We're on Hive Social if you go over there at Four Center. Facebook page is Four Center Podcast. Instagram and, of course, YouTube. We'll announce a live Q&A shortly uh, for January as we get ready for the launch of Figure Fights and more on the YouTube channel in February. Uh, podcast is available on ACAST, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and more. Just search or find us. Merch available at tpublic.com com slash user slash force center and patreon.com slash force center is where you can support us and from there uh you can submit parallel light sides uh you can get in the discord a lot of cool things we have our show uh will of the force on there as well a bonus show for all of you there you can find me at cadnapsock go to my website cadnapsock.com for more i am launching uh, new shows on my podcast feed and doing some uh, 
uh, more with uh, Saturday Night Knapsack, more things coming there. So uh, follow uh, me there if you want more information there. Joseph, where can they find and follow you? Yeah, you can find me on lots of different social media under the handle Joseph Scrimshaw. Uh, Instagram in particular, I want to promote because people are spending some more time there. I'm still on Twitter as well. I am also on TikTok. You can find me there. Uh, and you can also go to my YouTube page. Just search uh, for Joseph Scrimshaw. Got a lot more stuff coming in the new year on YouTube. Thank you to everyone who has been so supportive there. But that is it. For now, for myself, for Ken, for Han and Lando at any age, this has been Cues of the Force. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.